Section 23 of Volume 1 of Symbolism by Johann Adam Moeller Translated by James Burton Robertson This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. On Justifying Faith, Subheading 15 Catholic View of this Subject The doctrine of justifying faith experienced the same faith as all the other fundamental doctrines of Christianity. For 1,500 years, Christians had lived in and by that faith, had formed many intellectual conceptions upon it, and had laid down the same in numerous writings, but had, withal, felt much deeper things than could be comprehended in notions or defined by words. Yet, in default of an erroneous view of that faith, decisively put forth and asserted by many, men were as far from arriving at a truly sifting point and at the highest degree of evidence upon the matter, as, before Arius, upon the doctrine of Christ's divinity, and before Pelagius, upon that of grace. Hence it happened that, in the same way as in the above-named articles of faith, much that was obscured, much that was self-contradictory, was found among Christian writers before the Nicene Council, in the African and the Gallic Synods, so it is proved in the various expositions of justifying faith prior to the general council of trent and it became the great and earnest as well as astonishing task of its assembled fathers to define the pure truth and separate it from the dross of error as arius and pelagius men widely different in character from luther and far his inferiors did not draw their opinions from their own fancy but only embraced with warmth and developed to the fullest extent obscure conceptions here and there current. So Luther merely adhered to some opinions that had previously been started, as we learn from the celebrated confession delivered by him before the breaking out of the Reformation. In opposition to his teaching, the Church exalted now to the highest degree of certainty what, from her origin, had been taught perpetually and universally established this in the form of a dogma, and separated it from mere individual opinions. Some of the theologians assembled at Trent applied themselves, especially, to determine the nature of the opposition which St. Paul establishes between non-justifying works and justifying faith. The bishops of Agatha and Lanciano showed, at great length, that Paul merely disputes the justifying power of those works which precede faith and accordingly spring not out of it. In conformity with this opinion, the bishop Cornelius Musus observed that the apostle denies merely the value of the exterior part of the works. For instance, Abraham was not acceptable to God merely because he offered up his son in sacrifice or performed other like actions, but he became so by the inward exercise of faith and other virtues, connected with a sanctified course of will proceeding from faith, and manifesting itself actively in good works. Very rightly was it said that Paul had not in view the works of a man sanctified in Christ, and excluded these from consideration, when he denied to works, in opposition to faith, the power of rendering us acceptable to God. In other words, they observed that Paul, opposed to the old, unsatisfactory legal order of things, the new way of salvation pointed out by God, and attributed only to the living adherence to the same vishdish, 
the power of making us pleasing unto the deity. These definitions were, however, of a more negative kind. The following are more positive in their nature. That faith in Christ justifies, observes another theologian, signifies as much as that faith in the necessary root from which all spiritual actions agreeable to God spring forth, so that consummate righteousness is not conferred by faith immediately and in itself, but only by its ulterior development. And Claudius Jagus added, with as much brevity as truth, through faith is the grace given to us, not to be absolutely acceptable to God, but to enable us to become so. And this observation Petronius illustrated by remarking that Paul did not say that man is justified by faith, but through faith. For our righteousness is not faith itself, but in the latter is the power given to us to acquire the same. John chapter 1, verse 12. An expression of Bernard Diaz is also worthy of mention. This theologian observed that the justifying power is, on this account, ascribed to faith, because it raises us from our native lowliness, our earthward views, and consists in certain movements which transport us to a grade of spiritual life exalted above natural existence, so that we may be considered by God as having entered on the way to acquire His approval by attachment to Christ. All these definitions express, only in various ways, one and the same thing, which the Council of Trent approves when it says, quote, Faith is the beginning of all salvation, the basis and the root of all justification. For, without it, it is impossible to please God and to attain to His adoption. Unquote. Thus is faith the beginning of salvation, but yet not a beginning which, during this period of life, can be again abandoned after important progress hath been made for it is likewise the permanent groundwork whereon the whole structure of salvation is erected. Yet it is not a mere substratum, standing in no immediate organic connection with the superincumbent parts, for it is the root of justification. To its power and activity is attributed the justifying grace, the new vital principle, transforming man from an enemy into a friend of God. Divine love, in a word, Fides imperet justificationem, say the schoolmen. Although faith does not merit even this grace. A real definition of faith, however, the Council of Trent has not given. Such a one is found in the Roman Catechism when it says, quote, The word, faith, signifies not so much the act of thinking or opining, but it has the sense of a firm obligation contracted in virtue of a free act of submission whereby the mind decisively and permanently assents to the mysteries revealed by God. Unquote. Catholics consider faith as the reunion with God in Christ, especially by means of the faculties of knowledge, illuminated and confirmed by grace, with which the excitement of various feelings is more or less connected. It is, in their estimation, a divine light, whereby man discerns, as well as recognizes, the decrees of God, and comprehends not only what God is to man, but also what man should be to God. As justification now, in the Catholic sense, consists in the total change of the whole inward man, 
we can understand why the Catholic Church should so urgently insist that faith alone doth not justify before God, that it is rather only the first subjective, indispensable condition to be justified, the root from which God's approval must spring, the first title whereon we can establish our claim of divine filiation. But if faith passes from the understanding and the feelings excited through the understanding to the will, if it pervades, vivifies, and fructifies the will through the new vital principle imparted to the latter and engenders in this way the new man created after God, or, to make use of the expression of Serapandus at the Council of Trent, if love is enkindled out of faith as fire out of brimstone, then, only after faith and love doth regeneration or justification ensue. Hence the schools of the Middle Age recognized likewise a faith whereof they said that it alone justified. It is known by the designation of the Fides Formata, under which the schoolmen understood a faith that had love in itself as its soul, its vivifying, its plastic principle, forma. And on this account it is called Fides Charitate Formata, Animata Fides Viva, Vivida. This is that higher faith, which brings man into a real, vital communion with Christ, fills him with an infinite devotion to God, with the strongest confidence in Him, with the deepest humility and inmost love towards Him, liberates him from sin, and causes all creatures to be viewed and loved in God. We shall take the liberty of quoting some passages extolling this faith from writings composed prior as well as subsequent to the Reformation. Thomas Aquinas, in answer to the question, whether we were delivered from sin through the sufferings of Christ, says, quote, Through faith we appropriate to ourselves the sufferings of Christ, so that we become partakers of the fruits of the same. Romans chapter 3, verse 25. But the faith through which we are cleansed from sin is not the unliving faith, fides informis, which can coexist with sin, but the faith living through love, fides formata, so that the sufferings of Christ, not only by means of the understanding, but by means of feeling, become appropriated by us. In this way are sins forgiven us through the power of Christ's passion. Unquote. Cardinal Nicholas of Cusa, in one of his most intellectual writings, that on religious peace, wherein he lays down principles for the union of all religions in one, observes, quote, Faith alone justifies, unquote. but then he adds, quote, It must be full-formed faith, fides formata, for without works it is dead. Unquote. More fully he explains his meaning in one of his exhortations to the following effect, quote, It is love, the vivifying principle, amor quius forma, which consummates faith and confidence, which seizes, upholds, and transforms the soul. From Christ, redemption was desired, and he answered, Faith and confidence secure what is loved and wished for. For nothing is anxiously desired, save what we love. If thus the Redeemer be loved, he then redeems. Love consequently redeems, for it is the love of the Redeemer. In love, accordingly, 
it is the beloved object. Hence, too, the beloved Redeemer is in love. For God is love, and he who abideth in love abideth in God, and God in him. It is the consummate faith, or the consummate confidence, which we call the faith vivified by love. Fides charitate formata. For the Savior saith, that it maketh us well-pleasing unto God. Thus he who knoweth Christ, and doth not approach him, or he who goeth towards him, but doth not enter into fellowship with him, or he that goeth towards him, and entereth into some fellowship with him, but doth not embrace him, and knit the ties of the closest fellowship with him, hath no part in redemption. Unquote. To the words of this theologian, we shall subjoin a passage from Bellarmine, who flourished nearly about the same length of time after the rise of Luther as Nicholas of Cusa did before him. From that passage of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 6, quote, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith, which worketh by charity, unquote. He observes, in order that there may be no occasion for errors, the same apostle, St. Paul, declares what sort of faith he calls the justifying one, when he says, in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, that is to say, neither the law given to the Jews, nor the works of the heathens can render men acceptable before God, but only faith. Yet not every faith, but solely that, quote, which worketh by charity, unquote. To wit, the faith which is moved, shaped, formator, and vivified by charity. If love, accordingly, be the vivifying principle, forma, of faith, then, say the Catholics with reason, faith without love is dead, informis. With love it is living, formata. To this we may add explanations, which a celebrated Catholic exegetus at the commencement of the 17th century, is given of the 22nd verse of the third chapter of Romans. After the apostle had said that, by the works of the law, no one is justified before God, he adds, a new path of salvation without the law has been now opened by God, to wit, through faith in Christ, so that all believers may become just. On the words, quote-unquote, believers, Cornelius a Lapidi, now observes, quote, Those are meant who are not contented with a mere naked, empty faith, such as the demons possess, but those who, like friends, have a faith matured by love. Fides charitate formata, who believe in Christ in such a way as to fulfill his commandments, who possess a humble, living, and obedient faith. In short, who believe not merely theoretically, but practically, qui credent non speculativi, sed practici Christo. Unquote. This view presents itself so naturally to the unprejudiced inquirer that Heinroth, for example, probably without ever having read a Catholic theologian, observed in his Pistiodicea, quote, Faith is the basis, but love is the principle of a righteous life. Unquote. End of section 23